This podcast is sponsored by Aurora Packaging Solutions, a global packaging solutions provider leading the transition to a more sustainably packaged future. They specialize in developing packaging and visual communication solutions that reduce the impact on the environment and bring sustainability goals to life. With a focus on partnership and service, they create a custom solution for your business. To learn more, please visit www.orapackaging.com. Welcome to Sustainable Packaging with Corey Connors. Today's guest is my friend Caroline James, the Director of Sustainability at Atlantic Packaging. How are you? Hi, I'm great. How are you? Thanks for having me on. It was an honor to meet you at the Sustainable Packaging Coalition event in Montreal. And we did the tour of the paper factory, which was really fun. But let's let's talk about your your background. How did you get into sustainability? Yeah, so I am one of those people who goes back to my childhood experiences for where this came from for me. When I was in elementary school, one of my science teachers showed us a video about landfills. And I just remember being absolutely horrified in part because I think that that was, honestly, I think it was the time that I realized that the grownups didn't actually have everything under control because <laughs> if they did, then this would not be the situation that that we were in. So I was just completely horrified by the amount of waste that we were producing and that, you know, hadn't even gotten into plastic pollution in the ocean and all that. Like that was just about landfills. So there was still like a lot, a lot to learn. And I, I began learning more about sustainability throughout high school and college and studied environmental studies in, in college and really knew for a while that my, my North Star career-wise was going to be sustainability. And so when I was trying to decide ultimately, where did I really want to spend my 40 plus hours a week on the job, I went back to my first interest in sustainability, which was waste and and thought, where can I be the most impactful with reducing it and in getting involved with what you know we now call the circular economy. So when it came to really choosing a career path, it was hard for me to ignore the the numbers of the you know twenty eight to forty percent of what we throw away is packaging. And so being able to dive into the packaging world in in particular and say, this is where I think that I can make a difference was was a big and really positive decision for me. Yeah, it is a, a big jump in a person's life when they realize, wait, not everybody older than me knows what they're doing. Yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll never forget the day I realized my dad doesn't know everything. Yeah. And and it just made me realize, oh, lots to learn here, you know, yeah. for, for all of us and lots to embrace and 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 opportunities to grow. That's what we call it, right? <laughs> well, let's t- let's talk about Atlantic packaging and, and what you do there. Yeah, absolutely. So as as you mentioned, I'm the first director of sustainability at Atlantic Packaging. So that's interesting. Uh, I like that. That a lot of companies are hiring this as a first time yeah. role. So Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. It's, I I think that it's a huge step for a company to say, this is something that we want to dedicate a full person's time to, because I mean, it's, it's obviously more than a full-time job. I mean, you could have eight eight people on my team easily, Mm. but 
it's it it honestly drives me crazy when when companies have to volunteer someone into the sustainability role who's already working on marketing or operations or supply chain or everything else because it's a huge undertaking. And so I I think that really for a company to put their money where their mouth is, they need to create entire sustainability roles. But in any case, Atlantic is the largest privately owned industrial packaging company in North America. We are a major converter of paperboard and we do some other value-added services like printing and graphics. But for the most part, 60 to 65% of our business is distribution, which I really like because I think it allows us to be radically impartial about what materials we use. And so I'm not married to any one material or application. And so I can help customers be really picky about what the best solution is to their problem and can help connect them with our network of suppliers to find the right the right solution. So Atlantic deals primarily in the secondary and tertiary packaging side of the equation for industries all over the place across the Fortune 500 from food to beverage to e-commerce to poultry and everything in between. So we're doing a little bit of everything. And I think that that kind of exposure is just exactly what you need in order to see that sustainable packaging is not a one-size-fits-all and that what works in one industry absolutely doesn't work in another. Very well said. And I'd, I need to ask you to walk us through secondary and tertiary because sure. some of my audience are students or non-packaging professionals. So secondary is corrugated and things like that, right? Yeah. So I like to think about it like going from the inside out yeah. from, from a product to all, all of the packaging that goes into it. So like, say that you're ordering something online, maybe you're ordering, we'll just call it like a, a tube of lip balm. The the tube that the lip balm comes in is like the primary package. It's the main thing that's touching the product. The secondary package will be some of the other things that maybe surround or touch that package. So maybe like the label that goes over the tube, or like if you get like two tubes and a carton, like the carton that's holding the tubes might be like the secondary packaging. And, and then the, the void tertiary fill. packaging. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And void fill. And then like the tertiary packaging will be one level further removed from that. So maybe you're putting a bunch of cartons in a mailer to send to someone like the mailer might be your tertiary packaging. So all of this is to say that Atlantic is primary de- primarily dealing with the stuff that touches the primary packaging. Yeah. That's a great way to look at it. And most consumers are focused on primary packaging because For sure. that that's what they're interacting with that's what they hold when they're using the product they're oftentimes complaining about the secondary and tertiary packaging right. <laughs> because it's oftentimes too big it's oftentimes overpackaged. And these are the things that we've been talking about for the last several years, improving dramatically. And that's it's a huge opportunity for companies to improve the sustainability of their packaging is the secondary and the tertiary packaging. Completely. And I mean, I think because consumers notice a lot about primary packaging, that's where companies tend to try to focus when they first go into their sustainable packaging journey. And sometimes they get really stuck really quickly. Like I was talking with a company that does beauty products last week, and they're really struggling with the tubes they use. And I I don't have great suggestions for them about what to do about that right now. And, and I was very honest with them about that. And I said that, that your primary packaging is going to be really, really hard here. Let's actually talk about your secondary and your tertiary packaging, because I think that's where your yep. lowest hanging fruit is. I 
100% agree. And it's it's so often that the instinct is we want to be sustainable. We have to change everything. And I totally disagree with that. You must start somewhere. Yep. And, and I think you're exactly right. Secondary, tertiary, you know, look at your palettes. Look at your stretch film that wraps the palettes. Could could you down gauge to 30, 30 gauge? Could you could you use less? You know, these kinds of things can make huge impacts. We we talked about LCAs. Do you yeah. think that do you think that LCAs are are the end all be all of, of sustainability? So the short answer is no. And I'll give a little <laughs> bit of background first on LCAs for maybe some of the listeners who are who are less familiar. So yep. LCAs are a scientific method to model the environmental impact of a product or package through its life. Usually this is from what we call cradle to grave, meaning yep. from the creation of the product to the raw material of from the raw material to its disposal. And so LCAs are basically a way to take inventory of the environmental impacts of each stage of the value chain and then add them up across impact categories. So those might include things like total greenhouse gas emissions, total water use, total fossil fuel depletion. You get the idea. So I like to compare LCAs to like a nutrition facts label on the back of like a food package. So you can see different categories of how the product impacts your body. So you can see carbs, calories, sugar, and more. Same with LCAs across impact categories. So a lot of people use what we would call like a comparative LCA to compare the environmental impacts of two different products. And so at the end of a comparative LCA, ideally what you get is the ability to compare which product took more greenhouse gases to make, which one took more water to make, et cetera. I think it's also important to note that sometimes LCAs are cradle to gate, meaning that they take Mm -hmm. us through just one stage of the supply chains. So maybe they go from raw material extraction all the way up until the material or the product is sold at retail. Or sometimes they're just from gate to grave, meaning from the time that they get into a consumer's hands to disposal. So there are different, what we call system boundaries to that that you can use to conduct an LCA. And then there's also an ISO standard, ISO 14040, governing how LCA should be completed although there's a fair amount of room in there for interpretation. So yeah. so well why said. yeah, so why why are we talking about this today? When when weighing packaging options, companies want to make informed decisions about which one is most sustainable, which is totally understandable. And in the past, you either needed to commission an LCA from special consultants who conducted an expensive and time-consuming study or you needed to know how to use very clunky and cumbersome LCA software to model that kind of information yourself. And part of what's exciting about where we are today is that there are more user-friendly LCA platforms out there, like the TREAC Eco Impact Compass tool. And these platforms are much more straightforward, and you can put together a pretty basic LCA in a matter of minutes. So I love that these software have democratized LCAs, but It also means, the downside is that it also means that virtually (laughs) anyone can quote unquote conduct an LCA. Um, So models are only as good as the data and assumptions you put into them. And I've been a little concerned recently about how I've seen some in the packaging industry use LCAs and and Compass in in particular. So here's here's why why I'm concerned. (laughs) I wish people understood that LCAs are models. And as the statistics aphorism goes, all models are wrong, 
but some are useful. And <laughs> LCAs are definitely useful, but I want people to understand their limitations. LCA platforms like Compass use databases to tell us about environmental impacts of different processes. So in the case of Compass, the underlying database is called EcoImpact, which is a super rich database. And these databases contain information like how much energy it takes to turn a pound of hardwood fiber into corrugated cardboard that will eventually become a box. And that's incredibly valuable information to have. And you can string a bunch of data points together to estimate the environmental impact of a product throughout its life. But you also have to think about all of the assumptions that went into just that data point. So right. what kind of machinery was used to turn the fiber into corrugated cardboard? Mm -hmm. In what geography was that done? How old are these data? What kind of energy was the paper mill running on? So these are all assumptions and limitations built into the data just by virtue of where it's collected and how right. old it is. So... Other assumptions can affect the results too, like the rate of recycling on a particular package can have a huge impact on the environmental impact of a product. You can take a really optimistic point of view and assume a high recycling rate. You can have a pessimistic point of view and assume a lower one. Yeah. And these are the kinds of decisions that can make it so that 10 different people could model an LCA for the same product and come to 10 different conclusions. Absolutely. So I think it's important to document the assumptions that you make when using an LCA software. When I use Compass to model LCAs for customers, I also send along a document outlining each of my assumptions to someone so that they could reproduce the results if they wanted to. And this helps mitigate against one of the worst offenses of LCAs in my mind, which is yeah. trying to influence the model to produce the result you want it to produce. I mean, that's yeah. just definitely a, a terrible, egregious <laughs> offense. But it's, so common. But but and, super common and and like you said, absolutely abused in the past. I mean, it's amazing how the LCA for this material is so positive for this material every time. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, people should definitely be asking why and trying to understand the the underlying assumptions that that go into that. An another limitation of LCAs is that's really salient for packaging professionals in particular is that they tend not to include waste impacts as one of their impact categories. So as I said, we can get results for total greenhouse gases, total water use, energy use, but waste is rarely included. You could do some separate calculations and estimates about how much waste each product will generate and send to a landfill and incinerator or recycling, but that is not spit out with the Compass results or usually other software for that matter. So if what you're trying to optimize for in your decision is recyclability, it's often hard to model the varying levels and benefits of recyclability in your LCA. So right. you can do back of the envelope calculations to that effect. But in particular, one of the really challenging things to do is to model what the littering potential is of any given package. We have very minimal data about how likely a given package is to be to be littered. So that's, that's a huge limitation as well. So yeah, yeah. And I mean, from there, it, one of the other things I want people to understand about LCAs is that LCAs don't tell us what to do. LCAs <laughs> are a model, but they can't make value-based decisions. I think people want to be able to plug in two different packaging types into an LCA software and have it tell you which one is better to use. But like all things in sustainable packaging, it's more nuanced than that because you might have 
one packaging type that has a lower carbon footprint, but another that has a lower water use. And right. so almost always there are these trade-offs. And so LCAs can't make those value-based judgments for you. I mean, like going back to the nutrition facts metaphor, if you're looking at two different cereals in the cereal aisle, one might have lower calories, but one might have lower sugar. And reasonable people can disagree about which one you should be optimizing for. And it's exactly the same with LCAs. They don't make decisions yeah. for us. Absolutely. Well said. And spec right. And Triac are, are one of our major sponsors here at this podcast. So I got to go to the Specrite Summit and see a demonstration of the Compass software. And what I thought was really impressive was how they broke it down to, for this particular model, they uh, essentially just changed the secondary packaging size by two inches, you know, right size the box. We talk about that a lot in, in sustainable packaging. And they took, this is how much oil this model would have used. And this is how much oil this model would have used. And that delta was your savings. Right. And I just thought, now that makes sense. You know, carbon footprint is hard to correlate in somebody's brain. You know, yeah. how many tons of carbon? What does that mean? I, I'm, I'm trying to figure out a way to relate that to... Consumer Joe and Consumer Jane, in a, and I'm including myself in that pile of people because it doesn't make sense. You know, it's how do we relate this to something that makes sense? So I'm I'm searching for this solution. <laughs> like, well, actually, I think that I think that Compass does a pretty good job doing that because in the reports, yeah. one of the results you can get is things like the amount of carbon savings would be yeah. enough to power a passenger car for or yeah. this many passenger cars for a year or whatever. So I think they, they're trying to put it in terms that consumers can understand because you're right. I mean, very few of us actually have a good conceptualization of how much a ton of carbon is. Right. <laughs> and what does it mean? Right? right. And what is that? How does it relate to us? So I think that's, I was impressed with that. And I think, I think more people should, should try that software. It's really, really fast. Yeah, I think so too. I definitely think it's good to play around with. I just think people need to be cognizant of how changing any given assumption or any given number can have a really big effect. And that these are, these are estimates, not guaranteed contents of a given package. Right. Like you said, it's a guidance. It's not It's not an end-all, be-all in provider. But we met at the SPC event. Let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah. How, does, how, how does Atlantic Packaging utilize the SPC, the Sustainable Packaging Coalition, to be more sustainable? Yeah. So I actually had first come across SPC when I was looking for circular economy jobs. And one of my mentors that I was paired with in my graduate program, an, an alumna, now works at, at SPC. And in talking to her, I think one of the things that was so assuring to me was how science-based their approach is and that they are truly unbiased as far as not trying to prioritize any one material over the other. I think they really want to help companies understand the trade-offs between different packaging types. And so I rely on SPC for a lot of the academic background and other pieces, like visibility into other pieces of the supply chain that I might not see. So for example, we were thinking about developing a, a kind of package that was going to be using aluminum, but it wasn't going to be an aluminum beverage can. And I was trying to figure out 
how recyclable are packaging formats that are aluminum that aren't cans? And how do Mercs handle those? And how much access to recycling is there really for that packaging format? And that's something that, you know, I could definitely do some research on my own and asking around, but I also know that I could reach out to the folks at SPC and there would be at least one person, probably multiple there who could shed some light on issues that they see with aluminum recycling for things that aren't beverage cans for non-UBCs. So of course I got an answer like almost immediately from them about like, here are some of the things that, that you need to be thinking about. And that's really useful for those of us who are in kind of the prototyping stages, trying to make decisions about packaging so that you don't get all the way down the line of having developed a package only to find out later, well, actually it's not super recyclable or here's the problem with that. And so I really rely on the expertise at, at SPC to help us navigate some of those challenging decisions and some of their resources, like their availability of recycling study. Like I reference that a fair amount. I like to see their stances on things like when it's appropriate to use compostable packaging. So I, I just think that they're a really powerful brain trust of sustainability professionals. Absolutely. And the collaboration is my favorite part too. I, I got to interview Paul Novak, the, the president over there at uh, yeah. Green, Green Blue. And we talked about that for 10 minutes about how, how when you're in the SPC events, everyone seems to be working together. The, yeah. the company title kind of goes to the side and we're working together as professionals and as humans to make this world a more sustainable place for the next generations. It's it's very comfortable and very productive in, environment. Yeah, I think so too. And I mean, I love getting to meet people like you at, at, at these conferences and then we can pick each other's brains on on our challenges and find areas to collaborate. And just, just knowing that there are other people out there who are dealing with the same issues every day is really comforting. So yeah, that, that collaboration is huge. Absolutely. Totally agree. It's, you don't feel so alone when you're, yeah. out, you know, and, and you get to meet great people that we can connect with for the whole year, not just during those meetings. That yeah, exactly. So valuable. So, so Caroline, how do people get in touch with you and Atlantic Packaging? Best way to get in touch with me is on LinkedIn. We are very active on LinkedIn. You'll see lots of content from Atlantic as well as from our Action Catalyst, which is a New Earth project. So between Atlantic and a New Earth project, you'll see plenty of us on, on LinkedIn. But yes, Caroline James at Atlantic Packaging. Excellent. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Landsberg Aurora, for sponsoring. And if you're listening, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. We appreciate it so much. Thank you. This episode is sponsored by Specrite, the first purpose-built platform for specification management. So much has changed when it comes to packaging, and there's a new book to help you stay ahead of the curve, The Evolution of Products and Packaging, written by longtime packaging executive, Mr. Matthew Wright helps you unpack industry trends and explains how you can use data to drive packaging, innovation, and sustainability. Download your free copy today at specright.com backslash book. That's S-P-E-C-R-I-G-H-T dot com backslash book.